Alex Vergara is the community lead and founding member of Earth Fund, the decentralized platform for a better tomorrow. And on this show, we're going to talk about Web 3.0 and what is going on with cryptocurrency and our love for minimalism. But before we start the show, I want to invite you to grab my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. It's really easy to get and it's free. Just go to OverwhelmSucks.com. You did hear that right. Overwhelm Sucks to get my gift to you, my guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. Alex, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. We are going to have a barn burner, dumpster burning podcast today because we are going to talk about two things that I don't know very much about and i gotta believe a lot of my listeners don't know very much about it unless they're in these two topics web 3.0 and ftx bankruptcy meltdown cryptocurrency and i think because that's really on the news right now i'd like to go to the cryptocurrency first i mean i know what cryptocurrency cryptocurrency is i know what bitcoin the blockchain and all that is but this ftx meltdown that is like people are like, see, that's why I don't do cryptocurrency. See what happens. So, give us your initial initial thoughts on that. Um, so you know the 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 thing that's interesting is people say, oh, look at this. Which I I mean, listen, it's they're estimating the the loss is around anywhere from twenty five to fifty billion, which makes Enron look like a baby, you know. <laughs> so I get it. I, I mean, it's it's notable. It's something huge. But to be discouraged because something like that happened with a company that was questionable to begin with, it's the same thing like running away from the stock market because Enron happened. Mm. Like, okay, it, it happened. Enron was awful. A lot of people lost money. Uh, just like FTX, a lot of people lost money and people were dishonest. Um, and there were very questionable practices within the business. Um, but does that mean that there isn't still tremendous value in other companies? So, you know, you can kind of look at cryptocurrency just like you would look at stocks in the stock market. You know, there are a bunch of different companies and some of these software companies are building very amazing uh, software and, and, and services. So, yeah, I, I, FTX is extremely scary. I didn't have any money in it. And for anybody listening that did, you know, my condolences to you. Uh, there are people that did a lot of due diligence and they still lost out. A lot of large venture capital companies uh, that got involved, even teachers unions. but it's it, it goes kind of on par with investment and business, right? You will have winners and you will have losers. Hmm. I like I said, I know a little bit about cryptocurrency. I'm not invested in any way, shape, or form. But when that hits, you know what I heard from my friends were: see, this is what happens when you don't have decentralized banking. And I'm like, that's the whole point of cryptocurrency because what people don't understand when the governments are controlling the currency. They can, and they've done this in China. I've heard they've done it in other countries as well, that they can say, hey, you know what, Alex, we're going to take your money and there's nothing you do about it. But if it's on the blockchain, then everyone has an open ledger. And I know it's kind of convoluted to understand if you don't know what Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all this stuff, it's kind of hard to understand. It's certainly more complicated than two plus two is four. But the issue is the whole point of the blockchain and cryptocurrency is is decentralized. It's not one person can't go to a bank and unplug the server and you lose your money, correct? Yeah. So uh, there's a saying that's not your keys, not your crypto. 
Mm. Right. And, and I always repeat this to my friends and after the FTX meltdown, you know, it's kind of like, and I told you so, um, but you know, I have a couple, I'm involved in a couple communities, group chats. That's all about crypto. And the, basically what it means is crypto gives you the opportunity to be your own bank, right? Very simply put. And the only way you can be your own bank is if you have their, their it's called your seed phrase. So you have access to a wallet, whether it be connected to the internet or it's a digital wallet, uh, or it's just what they call cold storage where it doesn't connect to the internet. And if you have your seed phrase, you own your crypto. Now, if I were to share my seed phrase with you, Mark, that means you also own my crypto. Uh, so anybody who has access to that seed phrase, in, in essence, uh, is, is the account holder. But in the case of FTX, uh, it was a centralized account, meaning oh. FTX held your, your crypto. It, FTX was the one that ho- held your assets. Uh, so when that company went under, then everybody's assets suffered, right? Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so, okay. So very simply put, I I like talking about Bitcoin because it's the one that most people know of. Mm -hmm. Um, Bitcoin, you know, let's say you believe it has a store of value or you don't, Uh, whatever amount of Bitcoin you own, if it's in a company like FTX, it's holding it. Right. So it's not technically their money. Um, They're technically just holding it for you and they can't use that money, uh, at least legally. Um, And that's where the regulation comes in because, you know, who knows with these crypto um, exchanges, but I can purchase Bitcoin from FTX uh, and then I can transfer it to my own wallet and I'm my own bank at that point. And even if I purchased it from FTX, but FTX melted down, the, the, the Bitcoin that was in my own wallet wouldn't be affected at that point. Oh, gotcha. Because I actually own it. Okay. Yeah. It reminds me a number of years ago, about, I think about 2008, my mom had a lot of stocks, Disney stock, because she was a Disney employee and the stock market was tanking because of the recession. And I remember she called me up on the phone and she was saying, I lost all my money. I lost all my money. And I'm like, mom, I'm not a financial advisor, but if you haven't taken the money out, you haven't lost any money because money is a sign when you cash out. And she kept insisting, I didn't take it out, didn't take it out. Well, she did take it out because you know, as well as I do, Alex, until you take the money out, it has no value. And I just, what I, my point is, people just have to be careful. I don't care if it's crypto or stocks. Be, be, do your due diligence before you invest. I saw a show recently. I love watching the show, The Neighborhood. Have you ever seen The Neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer? It's on CBS I, I know on of it, Monday. but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. A couple episodes ago, they were uh, one of the characters' sister came to visit, and she's always like, you know, hard up for money. And, and she said, yeah, I, I lost a lot of money in, in bit money. And he goes, the other character goes, you mean Bitcoin? She goes, I wish. And the point <laughs> is she didn't pay attention. You got that. Uh, she didn't pay attention. She just thought it was all the same and you've got to do your due diligence. And I would argue that it's your responsibility to do the due diligence, not FTX, not Bitcoin, nobody else, not your uncle Fred. It's your job because it's your money. It's your job to make sure you understand whatever you're going to get into. Is that would you agree with that? Absolutely, and and I, I think to touch on a couple points that you mentioned with with um, the story with your mom too, uh, especially as entrepreneurs, we can kind of get caught up in this. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, unrealized loss is not really loss, right? So if, once you cash it out, then then you lost it uh, too. If you're going to invest your time or money into something, you can't be emotional about it. You have to look at it very matter of fact. You have to look at what what the trajectory is going to be. 
Um, so that's that's number two. You know, create a strategy, stick to your strategy, keep a system, and you know you can you can pivot from that system if you have to. But if you don't, if you go into it without a system or strategy or goal in mind, then it's not a good idea. And like I said, for the entrepreneurs out there, that's that has to deal with your time as well. Um, and and do your due diligence. I you know everybody always asks me what should I invest in, and I always say invest your time in learning. Mm. Invest your time in reading. Invest your time in understanding these projects, especially within the crypto world, because they're they're their own companies. So you know, think about what the future would it's going to require. Is are we going to require uh, blockchain medical records, for example? What what do you believe the future really is going to benefit from this Web three space? And then that's where I would invest is your time definitely. Gary Vaynerchuk uh, had a video about three or four weeks ago. When and he's telling the story about when he got an NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and he goes, one weekend, I spent 30 hours watching YouTube videos before I did anything. And he goes, I went in there and started with what is an NFT, NFT scams. I learned everything. And I think that is advice that everyone needs to do. If you don't understand cryptocurrency or what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, Web 3.0, then give yourself four, five, six, seven, 10, 20 hours and do your research. So you understand. I'm, I remember when I was in corporate America and they would say, okay, you can, you know, contribute in the 401k plan and, and they'd bring the representative in and everybody just signed up and no one knew what they were doing because you had like a two hour meeting. They said, here, just fill out this form. And I'm like, what is this? Because we didn't have the time to do the due diligence. Now in 2022, there's no excuse. We all have the internet. We all have Google. We all have YouTube. Do your research. Make sure you understand what this is before you hand over your hard-earned money. And 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 just to be very clear, I, I mean, even if you do your research, even if you do spend all this time and everything, you have to be okay with loss because yes. it's, it's part of life, right? Like, it, you know, there, like I said, there were plenty of venture capital, large, large companies. I won't name them in particular, but they did a lot of due diligence. There's, they have departments completely filled with people just to do due diligence. And even they came to a loss. So you, you know, when you're investing time, money, energy, effort, whatever it is, you have to be okay with, you know, the risk side of things too. Mm, very interesting prediction. Where do you think uh, cryptocurrency and the blockchain and Bitcoin go in the next three, four, five, ten years? What What does Alex think they're going? Not Not that we're not going to hold this to you, hold you to this. We just want to know what you think. Um, I I I I stay away from price predictions, but what I will say is I, I believe that um, everything we touch will be uh, on the blockchain. If you look at simple things like um, you know you talked about NFTs, I believe in the future luxury goods will have their own NFTs. And that's going to be verification. So, you know, you have a nice watch, that watch, uh, you want to verify it, you have it, it has its own NFT, you can see that it came directly from, you know, let's say Rolex or Omega or whoever, uh, whichever company it is, then the, the next seller, the next buyer who had it, and you'll be able to see the legacy of that watch. Um, you know, if you look at assembly line and supply chain, I believe it's going to be made simple through blockchain. Um, if you look at hair, which is the largest white goods manufacturer, like white appliances in China, they actually already have been using, um, blockchain for many years. So I, I, I just, I think that people don't understand how involved it's going to be within our lives. And, and when it, as it gets to that point, uh, they won't even need to know. 
they'll just be, they'll just, yeah, they, they won't even know. They won't even know the technology is involved. With it. I mean, if you look at Instagram, for example, I know you like talking a lot about LinkedIn too. Um, you know, do you understand the the framework behind LinkedIn? You know, do you, do you understand how the algorithm works on Instagram? And I don't no. mean you, I mean the audience and myself. No, 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 no one we, does. We have no idea. We have no idea what, it, what code it was written on, what network it uses. We have no idea what the server is. I mean, some people may. Um, we just know that we click a couple times. We see things that we like. We like it. We connect with friends, and that's it. And that's that's where the world of Web three is headed. And once that starts happening, um, mass adoption starts. What I think is interesting is Gary. Obviously, as I already talked about, is a big fan of NFTs, and he goes, "Right now, people are investing in NFTs." He says they're all going to go to zero, but don't panic, as that's what happens when something starts. He goes, "People say, oh, NFTs not going to happen. It's not a real thing. It's not going to take off." He goes. QR codes, pandemic. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Because a lot of people, I mean, QR codes been around for a long time. They became really prevalent during the pandemic because you go to restaurants and you scan the QR code for the menu, what happens? And so we really adapted these, no, that's the wrong word, adopted these into our lives. I'm not saying NFT is going to be in everyone's life next week or in 23, but eventually you look at NFTs like you look at QR codes. And to your point, Alex, we're like, oh my gosh, I, I'm using NFTs. I didn't even realize it because Gary says eventually, like concert tickets, you go to a concert, it's going to be an NFT. You go to airline, you use QR codes for airlines now. Well, why is it such a big stretch to say you won't use NFTs for plane tickets? I mean, but it's going to happen so gradually that we're not even going to recognize it. We're going to be in it. We're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for a couple of years. Didn't even realize it. And what's to, to further add to that, um, just so people understand, you have a digital wallet. This digital wallet has, you know, let's say the last three numbers of, of your digital wallet, just like in a, a bank account, last four numbers, you can kind of see it. Um, you can have that, uh, like, for example, my wallet's name is therealalexv.eth. So you don't have to know this complicated numbers. You literally type that and that's my wallet. And everybody can see what's in my wallet. You can go online and it's public information. You can see which NFTs I own. You can see how much cryptocurrency I have, how many times I've sent it and received it from people. Um, but what's really interesting is going into the point of uh, plane tickets and concert tickets and museum tickets. Um, I believe that it's going to be starting. It's going to start being used as a social proof. Mm. So, so you know, we're in a world of clout, right? We're in a world of this is what I do. Look at me. Now imagine uh, that world where you've gone to, um, I don't know, uh, I'm, I'm going to say a random artist. Uh, I, I, even with that, you have, have to be careful. I don't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> Rascal Flats. I don't know. I just, the first thing that came to mind, I, I go to this concert and I have VIP tickets and now it's an NFT. I receive it in my wallet and everybody can see that I have a VIP ticket to Rascal Flats forever. So now let's say I go to the Salvador Dali Museum and uh, people can see, oh, wow, Alex has been to the Salvador Dali Museum. He actually you know, got the VIP experience and he has this beautiful NFT from it. So now all of a sudden it starts creating this uh, public domain history of who you are and your social proof. Um, so it, it starts making sense as to why, you know, in this clout chasing world, how that can be uh, a nice ledger for you as a person, your preferences, what you've been doing. And then you include a little bit artificial intelligence. And this is kind of going uh, off cuff and into the future. But now all of a sudden, you can start pairing people uh, with like-minded interest. And maybe they start a group chats, maybe they start dating, whatever the case may be. So the possibilities really are endless. And 
you know, for all the entrepreneurs out there that are listening, I would really suggest learning about it because it's a brand new world of business models. It's mm-hmm. a brand new world of business models. And the way that your brain has to work to create these business models are very different than the previous generation. So definitely read about these things, learn about them, see what could be happening. And, and I don't know, it's, it's my passion too. So <laughs> the best video I saw, I don't even remember what YouTube channel it was to explain me what NFT was. This really, really brought it to bear. He says, okay, I own, I love this orange jacket. Okay. He showed the orange jacket. This is my orange jacket. Now I can go to the store and buy the same jacket but it's not my jacket. And when he said that, it snapped like, oh, now I get it. So you can buy the exact same orange jacket he bought, but it wouldn't be his jacket. And something about the way that YouTuber explained it to me, it just clicked in my head. Now I got it because now you know it's real. And I think this is really going to pretty much take away the scalpers because nft is it's like you just can't make a photocopy i mean it's got to be you know it's it's i I think it's going to be a good thing and i'm 57 years young i definitely see a year before i die because i'm planning to live to 120 it's going to happen yeah so i'm running every day so anyways before we pivot over to 3.0 because i'm really interested to talk about web3 you and i were talking before we started about minimalism and i read a book uh, called Goodbye Things by Fumio Sasaki, which led me to Marie Kondo. And so my wife and I are getting rid of all this crap in our house, like CDs I haven't looked at in 15, 20 years. And as I started recording, I had a runny nose from all the dust and everything like that. And what's interesting is by getting rid of clutter physically, I found that I find myself being free mentally in terms of clutter. And then you told me, you're doing the same thing. You just moved and now you're a minimalist as well. Yeah. I mean, simplicity is attractive, you know, and, <laughs> and, and not only in the physical sense, but it attracts good things, you know, and, and um, it, it kind of brings a certain level of discipline too. Right. We, we talked to, you know, first Marie Kondo is if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. <laughs> um, that's the question you have to keep asking yourself, which actually works. Um, but on top of that, like it's something about creating systems, right. And being able to, and, and going within business, you know, dealings and, and, and family life and friends, you need to create systems. And if something doesn't have a place, then, you know, it, it needs to be gone. It just needs to be yep. removed. And, and if, if it's not working, then it is not working. Um, I learned from, uh, one of my, uh, from a leadership coach, uh, Mark, Mark's the man. He, he told me, you know, the way things we, we attach emotion to all these things and they either work for you or they do not work. You don't need to add all this other stuff to it. And if, <laughs> if you have, if you're at home and there's a lot of clutter, then it's not working for you. It's not, it's not creating an environment of productivity. It's not creating an environment of, of, of being able to thrive. And maybe that's something that's kind of gotten in your way. And, and to be honest with you, at some point that got in my way because I had to spend time on trying to figure out, you know, what, where this thing was or, or, you know, just dealing with this disaster. And now I, I don't have to think, I know this goes here, you know, this is organized here. This has to be like this. And, and it, it just makes your life so much easier. And when you start living that system, 
when you move a little bit outside of it, then then there's chaos ensues. <laughs> yep. Well, we've got this bar at our house and it's like a magnet for like wallets and keys and the mail. And I told my wife, I said, I, I, I don't want anything on here. Yep. Mail should be addressed right away. We don't get a lot of mail, but now she's got her place where she puts her badge for work and her keys. And I've got a place for my wallet, my keys. And so now if you go to put something in there, I'm like, ah, that there's nothing goes here. Nothing goes here. Where does it go? And that's one of the, another key tenant at Marie Kondo. She says, once you give everything a place, now there's no mystery. You know, this goes here and that goes there. So it's just interesting. I, I become a minimalist and my wife has become a minimalist. And now we're meeting all those minimalists. Oh, we are minimalists too. Because, and minimalists have to be, tend to be happier because we don't have all this crap laying around our house collecting dust. So it's really amazing how the community just sticks together. Well, uh, just a final, final thing on this, a final thought. It, it's ritual too. And ritual and stability is so important in life, right? Um, yep. as, as entrepreneurs, as, as uh, people. We have ups and downs in life. There's always variables. As investors, there are always variables in life. But if we can have rituals, if we can have, uh, let's say, for instance, you know, every Sunday you go to church, right? You know, every day you make your bed, you know, every day that everything is exactly where it's supposed to be. It brings balance to life because life is seemingly chaotic, right? We, we don't, we, we don't really have control of other things, but if we can control the things that we actually do have control on, then it, it just it just makes it so much easier to deal with the variables. Hundred percent, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah. Well, listen. That's why you're on the show to give us your opinion. <laughs> so let's talk about Web 3.0. Now, let's assume that people are listening to this conversation and they're like, 3.0. Is there a 2.0? Is there a 1.0? So take us back. Give us an overview from the very beginning because I know a lot of people are starting to hear more and more talk of web about Web 3, but they weren't even aware we had a web one. Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com. Yeah, so um, the, I, I like to look at it as simply as possible. And any of my programmers out there, anybody that's into technology, like, please forgive me um, <laughs> because I'm going to look at it from a very, very high level um, or not from a high level, but from, let's say bird's eye. So web one is basically the read only web. You know, you go on and you could see things, you could see articles, you could see pictures. Um, it was really for millions, right? When when the when Web 1.0 came out, it was it was uh, scaled to be a million people. Let's say two million, five million people. Um, you had to have a computer to connect, right? They were wired to the wall. Everybody remembers. At least my age, I'm, I'm sure it was a little different for you, but in my <laughs> age, I was trying to connect to the internet. I was super excited to talk to friends. Let's say. And then, you know, you have this whole dial-up sound and my grandmother would call and just disrupt everything, you know? Like, I remember when there was no internet, okay? I remember when there were no computers in the home. So, so yeah, you know, that that's kind of the web 1.0 world, right? Um, very simply put, the web 2.0 world all of a sudden is read and write, right? So now all of a sudden you have social media, right? You have your cell phone, you know, you, you have... Uh, monetization and customization of of what you create content creation right this is part of web 2.0 you have your podcast um being able to scale it now to billions of people now billions of people 
have uh, access to the internet, right? Maybe let's say 500 million. Let's put it, let's, let's do half a billion. Um, so that, that's really where Web 2.0 was. Um, the question really is who owned your data in Web 2.0? Right. So every time you click, every time you search, every time, you know, anytime you write in white spaces on the internet, you know, whether it's a search bar or a website, the cookies, uh, your location, who owned that internet? That's a big part of Web 2.0. Who's monetizing that information? That's a big part of Web 2.0, right? Um, information. This is, they call it the, the, the age of information, uh, data collection, right? So now shift over to Web 3.0. And Web 3.0 is the age of decentralized applications. Oh, it so ties kinda, back to what we talked about in the beginning of the show. Yes. So decentralization, right? So, okay. For instance, uh, I've heard rumors, and this is, this is not to get into something that's polar or anything, but I've heard rumors that perhaps the Apple Store is going to uh, remove Twitter from the Apple Store, right? There's rumors of it. It doesn't, whether it's true or not, whatever the case may be. Um, but that can happen because it's a centralized point. So you have this application that's being run through a centralized point. You have the Google Play Store and you have uh, the app, uh, app Store with, with uh, iOS. So that's centralized applications. Now, decentralized applications now lead to anybody can create them. Anybody can publish them. Anybody can use them. Um, like I said, you have your own identity. So uh, if you go, for people that know, there's MetaMask. That's one of these digital wallets. It's the, the fastest growing the largest known it's a it's a hot wallet it's connected to the internet now i can interact with people around the world with a trustless system i don't have to trust them i don't have to know them um and the only thing i have to identify with is my my uh wallet number so like i said mine just happens to be the real alexv.eth but let's say you know you, you and i mark are, are talking and, and let's just say for example uh i live in croatia and you live here in the States. And, you know, I say, hey, listen, uh, I would really like for you to, to mention my company on your show. Um, can, can we get this done? And you say, absolutely. You know, this is how we're going to do it. This is the fee I charge. I'm not saying that this is your, your, your model, but mm -hmm. just to give an example. Uh, and I say, great, I'm going to pay you in Ether, in Ethereum. So I don't have to know your, any other information besides your wallet information. We can have this transaction go. Um, which is really cool. Um, and I'll talk about this way later, but it kind of leads to what uh, the company is doing, what my company is doing and what we've created. It's really removing borders from, from sending money. Now that may seem, that may seem silly, but we are currently in a digital age and we have analog money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have analog <laughs> money. Moving money from country to country is awful. It is awful. We we don't really see the back end of it because you know there's e-commerce and Visa has spent a lot of money in, in working with e-commerce and Swift payments and all of these things. But from from a back end side, it is awful. If you wanted to pay someone in Nigeria, it is not efficient money wise. It is not streamlined. It is a terrible experience. So this web, world of Web 3.0 now integrates the entire world. It allows people to collaborate in a trustless system, um, whether it be for raising money for good causes, whether it be for, for entrepreneurship, whether it be uh, for what, what I mean, anything that you can think of now, we can collaborate as a world, whereas Web 2.0 had limitations to it. 
and and a big limitation, believe it or not, was the analog money. Um, well, so I will I, tell I hope you that kind of makes sense. I, I am old enough to remember that the only way you could send money to people was one, you would go to the post office to get a money order, or you get a cashier's check, or you could send them a check, or you can send them cash, which I wouldn't recommend. Now I'm an Apple user, so my daughter's 25 and she likes money. So I could literally <laughs> just send her Apple Pay cash right through my iMessage. And it's so easy. And it, what I find is interesting is you mentioned about, you know, at Web2, you know, people, certain people are banned. Well, Alex Jones is a name that is he's banned everywhere, right? Yep. But on any browser, you can still go to Infowars.com and watch the show. Yep. So they can't block him on the browser, but they blocked him at YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all that stuff. So I don't know if anybody's truly, really, truly banned in this I, day and age. I have something scary for you. Um, go ahead, most, scare, go ahead and ter- terrify us. <laughs> most servers, um, let's just choose the largest, uh, run through AWS. Amazon, correct. That's a centralized point. So Whoever, I'm not saying, I'm not talking bad about Amazon or anything, but as we saw, let's say through Twitter, you have a centralized point. Um, and, and you know, I like looking at things from a very non-biased perspective. So, you know, one day it'll be, let's say the left side, the other day it's going to be the right side. One day it's green, the other day it's yellow. I don't care. <laughs> what I look at is if someone can turn the off switch just because they disagree with someone's perspective, that's very concerning to me. Um, AWS has access to the server. And if you build your website and your business through AWS and someone decides, you know what, today, no one likes yellow, they can turn you off. Mm. So they're, you know, they're AWS is one example, but they own about 70% of the server internet, let's say. And please guys, whoever's listening that knows this is just, you know, I'm probably being a little bit hyperbolic, but it's way up there. Um, so it's cause for concern. And this is where, uh, like I said, decentralization is coming in. Um, I, I want to say really quickly, a little anecdote that kind of goes into, if, if that's okay with you, that goes into transferring money. I'll well, say it before very you get short. there, I just want to yeah, say yeah. one other thing is I don't like the censorship, which is so prevalent right now. And is a big war now between Elon Musk and Twitter and Apple and Google, because they're thinking about banning Twitter from their app store. And he'll say, I'll just create my own phones. People don't understand that you got to be really careful with the censorship because uh, are you familiar with Bill Maher? Yeah, of course. Okay. So Bill Maher is liberal yep. and he is famous for saying, I don't agree with Alex Jones, but Alex Jones has a right to be heard. So people should say, okay, listen, I think you, Alex, not Alex Jones, but you are full of poop emoji. I'm not going to listen to you anymore, but I have that choice. When you take that one side away, whether they're green or blue, doesn't matter. When you take that choice away, then the other side, people go, oh, that, that's the only truth because there's no debate. I'm a big fan of debater. I have friends who are progressive leftists, just progressives, liberals, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, far right. And I listen to them. And I think in this day and age, and this sort of ties into what we're talking about today, is if we would just listen and stop rushing to judgment and hear the other person out, because maybe they've got a point that you would not have thought about before. But if you're just saying, oh, this is what the truth is, and anything you say is wrong, well, then you're telling me I'm an idiot and I'm not going to listen to you. So I just think in the public discourse, 
it, more people would just spend time listening and hear the whole story, I think would be a better uh, society. Would you agree with that? I agree a hundred percent. And there's, there's a saying, um, there's a Bible verse, but the, the shorter saying is we can learn one thing from everybody. And, and empathy is something that we have to exercise, right? If not, we lose it. Mm-hmm. So a big part of empathy is being empathetic with people you don't agree with, trying yes. to understand why they believe a certain way, trying to understand their story. And more importantly, if we don't have one side, then we lose the idea of debate and intellectual conversation and philosophy. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point is to try to understand how we can work on these mental gymnastics, how we can get to points and, and not to get too far into government, but a big part of it has been that the, the Congress, the legislative branch has run away from their responsibility and their responsibility is to have difficult conversations meet at a middle point so that they can govern us in a fair and just way it is a heavy responsibility. But people are scared to do that. People run away from it. And, you know, we have our social media echo chambers that just repeat what we like to hear. And the truth be told is if we really care about our future and our children's future, we have to be able to listen to things that we disagree with. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to hear people out. And one one question that I think that people are forgetting is or, or one perspective that people are forgetting is legality and morality are not the same thing. Mm. but we should be asking, is it moral? Is it moral? Like, is this something that, that is moral? And if so, at what point does it become moral? And I think our society would tremendously benefit from those questions and those concepts. Um, And that's, that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I got so hard into decentralization. That's why I kind of ran into it because I I don't, I don't, at some point I was uh, radical and I thought decentralization was the future. Um, But at this point, I believe it should be the option. That we should have decentralization. We should push for it so that large centralized points behave themselves so that they understand that people have the ability to bounce back and forth. So that's that's why I got into this. That's why I've been pushing so hard uh, to, to really build something and to be part of something bigger than myself because I, people don't understand once blockchain is all around us, um, a centralized point has the ability to control a lot of your life, a lot of your life. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's scary. It's scary. And you know, you know, that's a good point to end on that topic there before I interrupted you, you're going to say something about sending money. So let's go back to that. I want to make sure that we don't forget to go back. Yeah. To thank you. Thank you. So, um, okay. So the biggest thing that I always ask people in the world of web three, because it's so fascinating is how did you get into it? How did you get into crypto? And, uh, one gentleman in particular, um, who, who had, who had a, a, a pretty nice company and, and a significant uh, net worth at the time, uh, had a partner, a business partner in China. And that their business partner um, had a very bad heart condition and had they had to have surgery. And the Chinese government said, we're not going to do this surgery for you. It's just not financially feasible for the government because, you know, they have their, their universal health care or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they said, we're not going to do it. And he said, no way. This is my partner. Like, this is my friend. We have to figure out a way to do this. So they came to the US um, and they they said, you know, they found, I'm not going to give too many details to, to uh, reserve their privacy, but they found two of the best um, hospitals in the US, one to do robotics and one to do the heart surgery. And they created a partnership with them too, in order to um, have the surgery. So everybody agreed to it. Uh, it was a lot of money involved and they had their money in China. Now, how do you get your money to China? 
We're talking about millions of dollars for this operation. <laughs> they had no ability to do it. This was in 2013. They had no way to get the money from China to the US. Wow. So they tried uh, through a method and they saw that it was kind of getting mixed up with dark money. And they said, no, they stopped it immediately. And they said, there's no way that we're doing this. Mm. So then he heard about something called Bitcoin. This was 2014, I believe. I may be messing up the dates. Um, so he's like, okay, so let's do it through Bitcoin. So they, they put their money in Bitcoin in China and they sent it to Japan using Bitcoin. And then Japan, they got it to the US. I don't know, I don't know how wow. from Japan to the US, but just to give you an idea. Um, so at that moment, the guy said, this is incredible. I, we literally would not have been able to move our money without the use of Bitcoin. So at that point, he invested heavily. His partner was saved. They had the surgery. The, the partner's still alive today, thank God. Wow. And, and at that point, he was like, this is what I'm dedicating my life to. Um, so like I said, you know, it, it's one quick story and analogy, one quick story, but it really goes to show you that we have analog money. And we are really, um, in the sense of money, we're really limited by what the governing body of the country that we live in or the treaties that they have with other countries, what they decide. So it's something to consider when you think about decentralization and money and uh, when everything, when all the dollars do move to blockchain, because they are, um, what will be cash? What will the <laughs> cash be? And that's a very important question um, because cash is freedom, right? Well, allegedly, and I, I can't remember the last time I paid anything in cash. I mean, I, I love Apple Pay. Most people, one of the greatest things that came out of the pandemic is everyone updated their point of sales uh, systems. And so I, I pay for most stuff on my Apple Watch. It's it's so secure and it's so convenient. And, and people don't have a problem paying with their phones or their watches. I'm like, well, you're you're almost to you know, the bitcoin i mean because you've gone from cash and checks checks are horrible some people write checks it drives me nuts but to now you're paying online you're paying with your phone so you're 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 closer to the bitcoin and cryptocurrency than you realize if you think that oh we're a long way off yeah how do you pay for things to store you're you're a lot closer than you think uh you are you agree with that yeah, but I mean just just think about this simple fact, right? Uh you you may not use cash and other people may not. Um but you still have the option to use it. Mm -hmm. So let's say uh, you know, it doesn't have to be something illicit. Let's just say you don't want something on your bank account or you don't want, you know, the the, the very common one that I see is uh let's say jewelry. You're going to buy jewelry from a jeweler and you don't want to pay taxes on it. You know, it happens. The jeweler can kind of give you a lower rate. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if no one's ever seen or heard this before, <laughs> uh, but the the jeweler can give you a lower rate, right? And you you benefit from not paying, you know, Florida's seven and a half percent tax. If you're buying a $2,000 item, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So you can use cash to do something like that. What happens when cash disappears? Yeah. Right. What will replace cash? And that's why, you know, I, I, I say Bitcoin, you know, do your own research or whatever, but something is going to have to um, replace cash. And, and I don't like talking about things like this, but think about also like illicit activities, right? Whatever they may be. Uh, that, that, are, we, are we naive enough to believe that they're going to disappear overnight? Absolutely not. People will find a way to receive money for illicit activities. So what will be their cash? Um, so, you know, you talked about what I see in the future. Think about that. That's a legitimate question. What will be cash in the future? Hmm.
because it's freedom. It's a, it's a good point. And I, my dad's 81 years old and he still pays some bills on checks. And I have an 84 year old aunt who hates all technology. And I'm like, I see in our lifetime where they're going to start charging you if you pay by check, because someone's got to open the envelope and take the check out and stamp the back of it and mail it to the post office. And I said, they're going to start telling you if you pay online for free, pay by check, it's $5, $10, $15. And they go, that's not fair. I go, that's, I'm sorry you disagree with it, but that's where we're moving to. Because when they set the system up, like when I pay my utility bills, it's all set up. I go there, pay it, boom, it's done. No one has to interfere with it because the programmers have already built the software. I think that day is sooner than people think because who wants to see her open, have, have a girl, her whole job is to open envelopes, take out checks and endorse them. I mean, that takes manpower. So I guarantee you, if there's a carbon credit or a carbon tax, that will happen the next day because every piece of paper that they print is going to cost a lot of money. Yep. I, I agree. I, I see it coming now. And now, like we were talking before the show, I just got rid of like, I don't know, probably 400 CDs. I've been listening to in five, uh, 15 years. I've got Apple Music now. What do I need to have the CDs for? Anything I want to listen to. I didn't even look at the stuff. I didn't even. Why am I going to look at them? I'm like, oh, I remember when I got the. Doesn't matter. Threw them all out. A lot of DVDs. You know, they were kind of a scratch. I had younger kids when I was, you know, many years ago and I just got rid of them. I can watch it on Netflix or Apple TV or iTunes. I don't need to have the physical copies anymore. And people go, well, what if they take it off? I'm like, so they take it off. So what? it's a movie. I don't really care. You know, what's, what's really interesting. Last point on this, uh, Michael Saylor, which is like the Bitcoin guy, mm-hmm. uh, micro strategy. He said that dematerialization is scalability. So when you talk about books, right, actually printing books and getting books to the, the most impoverished countries in the world, it's almost impossible mm-hmm. because of the logistics, right? They're, they're heavy, they're expensive to print, they're expensive to, to ship. Um, but when you de- dematerialize them and you put them on the cloud, it's really simple to get people phones. Yep. You, you could get them super cheap app or, or Android phones. You know that are that you could practically give out for free, and now people have access to books. They have access to things that they had never seen before. Um, so dematerialization is really the key to 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 uh, scalability. And one thing I found out, because I'm an Amazon Prime member, that in order to help them not to, to like delay your orders, you can get digital credits for Kindle books, movies. And so instead of getting your order tomorrow, if you say, look, I'll wait four or five days, they'll give you two, three, four, five dollars of credit. That's awesome. Or something that's digital. And I just found that out. So I'm like, I'll wait. I don't need it tomorrow. I can wait four days to get it. And now they're actually giving you more because they're really busy with deliveries. And the longer you delay it, the more you get a digital credit. Now you got to plan it. Don't wait until you're out of something. It won't work. I, um, Alex, this has been a fascinating conversation. I got a feeling you and I could have gone on to a Joe Rogan style pod- podcast and <laughs> talked about a bunch more. A bunch more topics, but what in the world is earthfund.io? Earthfund. So earthfund.io is actually a uh, platform that we created. And um, our first partner was Deepak Chopra and the Chopra Foundation. Yeah. And and they they launched the cause. So basically, to put it very simply, um, we've created a platform and technology for large foundations and nonprofits and philanthropists and influencers uh, to create the world of giving on web three. Oh, wow. So yeah. So let's say in the, in the case of the Chopra foundation, they're, they're within, you know, 
they're within uh, giving and philanthropy and and really working for mental health um, and and creating artificial intelligence for mental health. But they they wanted to go into the world of Web three, and it's it's it was complicated. You know, it's it's actually a complicated process initially. So what we created was that that out of the box experience for Web three. So all they would have to do is just a couple clicks, and it's all automated, and it creates. Uh, the Web3 experience for these lot large nonprofits and foundations. Um, so to kind of go a little bit more into it, we it, the structure is a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. And all that really means is uh, it gives you democracy in, let's say, uh, you know, charities are a little bit um, iffy. So if you give a dollar to a charity, you don't really know how much is going to the charity. You can look it up, but it's very challenging mm -hmm. uh, blockchain allows transparency in that so our platform allows people to not only see how much money is going to it but they can see what the fees are the percentages they can see when it was transferred how much was transferred and they actually get rewarded for participating in it so up to this point we've funded $170,000 uh for for all these causes different causes that are launching and the community has been rewarded $7,000 Wow. Uh, for voting and participating within it. So they they get to decide, okay, um, let's say, you know, the Chopra Foundation is called Never Alone. They wanted to create an artificial intelligence text messaging bot for people who had uh, suicidal thoughts and were alone. And people could just text this AI bot and it responds to them. And it, they've actually had a lot of success in preventing uh, suicide incidents. Oh, wow. And the community decided we like this project. They voted on it. And then the project got funding all automatically. Oh, wow. That is cool. That is cool. So that's what Earth Fund is all about. Yes, sir. So we, like I said, we, we're making the introduction of Web3 simple. And that's, you know, we have this, this model and idea from Apple. And the idea is to first create the experience. You know, how do, how do you want people to feel when they do this? And after you create the experience, this is what it should look like. This is the flow uh, then you attach technology to it. And what ends up happening is you have to sometimes create technology because of it. Um, but like, you know, like you said in the beginning, people may not really know what Web3 is. People don't maybe don't know what Ethereum is. is. People don't know what a network within Web3 is. Um, but if they don't need to, then they'll use it. And that was our whole concept. Like, how can we make this so people can just click a couple times and get the results that they want? Um, so definitely check out the website. It's earthfund.io. Um, you know, if, if you really want to learn about Web3, check to see what it looks like to see, you know, get the feel for it. Uh, give me feedback. My email is alex at earthfund.io. Um, you know, if someone that's never been in Web3 and you don't really understand, let me know. Uh, we like tailoring the website for, you know, the whole the whole uh, thing that we said since the beginning, easy enough so your grandma can use it. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, Alex, I, I want to thank you for being on the show today because I learned a lot from you today and it was a fascinating conversation. I know the listener got a lot out of it because you just gave us so much to think about and ponder. And uh, listener, just like I said, the learning doesn't stop here. What I want to do on the show is pique your interest. So you go to earthfund.io or you go to Google or you go to YouTube. So this is just another step on your learning journey. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today, sir. Thank you, Mark. I hope you have an awesome day. I really had a great time and, and I, you know, maybe we'll have another one of these. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review. This helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you, the third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.